City on the edge. 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 That's right. Welcome back to the City on the Edge podcast with Mike Smith and Ty Bannerman, the podcast about Albuquerque stories. Joining us today is uh, is a guest. We have Regis Locker here with us. Um, Regis is a friend of mine going way back and a longtime kind of Albuquerque resident on and off and one of the uh, most um, appreciative people of quirky, not that great cinema that I've known in my life. So <laughs> I think, hi Ty, I like <laughs> I, th- I think uh, most people would say I'm a bad movie buff. Bad movie buff. Yeah, yeah I am. Um, I know I've watched Manos, The Hands of Fate with you. Oh, that's not a bad movie, though. That's actually good. You think I, so? we'll, we'll talk about this in a different <laughs> setting, but that, um, like, I think it's an accidental masterpiece. I think I've seen a fair amount of like kind of <laughs> schlock horror with you back in the day. Yeah, like I think that's definitely of... true, and I think we've seen quite a few movies at the Dollar Theater that were very, <laughs> very bad yeah, um, as well. And one of the only people on Earth, besides uh, myself and my wife, who um, who appreciated Reign of Fire, the... Uh, the Matthew McConaughey versus dragons on a post-apocalyptic. Oh, I kind of enjoyed setting. that one too, actually. Okay, good. Then yeah, we got yeah, the right group yeah, here. Good. <laughs> yeah, good. You know, it's like I like seeing stuff you can't see in real life in a movie, even if the script's not perfect. At least, you, like, oh, I saw something I would never would have seen. Like I saw dragons, dragons attacking Matthew, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, exactly. And uh, who was the yeah. other guy in it? Uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. That's it. I wanted to say Christopher Nolan, but yeah. he's he directed Chris, right, Christian right. Bale. Right. Um, okay, so today uh, we're going to be talking about a uh, little scene outside of Mystery Science Theater 3000, anyway, and uh, and little even less regarded uh, cinematic um, masterpiece of schlock, I think, uh, called Track of the Moon Beast, which right, was right. filmed here in Albuquerque in 1971. Right. Yeah, this is not a movie podcast, but this is yeah, it's about uh, this is about whatever we want to talk about okay. that has something to do with Albuquerque, I guess, right? Well, I thought we'd uh, we'd maybe start out with um, kind of a rundown on Albuquerque's cinematic history. Okay, that sounds good. So, in the past uh, past few years, of course, Albuquerque's had a boom in its movie industry this uh, is true. due to certain tax breaks, um, mm-hmm. including uh, things like you know, obviously Breaking Bad was filmed here, um, No Country for Old Men, uh, and then some movies where you uh, you may not realize it, like uh, like Avengers, Transformers, mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say a boom and then a contraction, though a little bit. I mean, like yeah. you know, some of those some of those tax breaks have gone away, and right, I've right. No, you know, I've, I've noticed uh, the films being made here have gone away too. Now I'm kind of curious. So I've been here for most of the time that that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was always kind of fun to like watch these yeah. movies and TV shows and be able to like pick out locations that yeah, are just on the street for me. What I'm kind of curious about is uh, Regis has been living in Seattle for about the last decade. He's only recently come back, and uh, I wonder: Have you taken note of Albuquerque uh, playing a role in, in films since you've been there? And, and what do you think about that? Uh, if you if you've noticed it, you know, the only time that I thought to myself, "Well, this is recognizably Albuquerque," was was Beer Fest. Mm. Oh yeah, which okay, has yeah. Huh. which has which is set which ha- which has the uh, the press club as an important part of the film, right? Um, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I gotta see that. Fact, um, I, I think it serves as like three different bars. It's well, right. That's hilarious. It's ones. the main location, and Downing. then and then uh, there's several other places that are identifiably Albuquerque, um, like the the sort of dilapidated area or that what used to be the dilapidated area down near the train station as well. Still pretty dilapidated, right? Uh, 
I think I know you're talking about the overpass That's where right. That's the right. one guy is giving out blowjobs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't right. know about this. Yeah. Have you seen Beer Fest? Oh, no, I never seen it. Oh, well, there you go. It's worth watching. Oh, I thought you were talking about like some local news story or something. <laughs> 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 that, like that wouldn't be happen. a news story. That would just be <laughs> like, like, like a Craigslist post. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I, I recall seeing. Um, um, a couple movies where I, I saw the freeway shots and thought, wow, that looks uh, like the big eye. Oh, okay. And I'm still not sure if that's true. I'm yeah. thinking of Little Miss Sunshine and a couple other things. Little Miss Sunshine was weirdly set in Albuquerque, but yeah. it was filmed somewhere else, which is yeah, strange. But there's a shot that, yeah. that, that it, even if it's not... I know uh, when you're talking about, where it's like the, the, the big eye with the swooping bridges and stuff. So they might have done an establishing shot or there something. There might be an there. establishing it's shot. Possible. It's a very beautiful shot yeah. of, of the curves of the... Uh, of the freeways intersecting. Yeah. Um, and other than that, it's mainly an incidental thing. Right. When you realize, oh, this is, I guess there's a new studio, like, at yeah. the town, uh-huh. or they did this on some salt flat. Right, right, right. One time, I, I think I was 19 years old. I was living in Alaska. I was super depressed. Uh, <laughs> I was in a cabin in the winter, and I decided to watch uh, The Grapes of Wrath, the 1940 John Ford movie of the novel. And all the B-roll footage in that was shot in and around Albuquerque. Oh, really? And I saw this shot that was obviously Cedarcrest, which was like Uh, my hometown here where I grew up since the age of 11. And it just blew me away. Like, I was like, that has got to be it. I just ended up rewinding and watching this one scene over and over again. Like, it became like a conspiracy theory in my head that I had no way to to verify at that time whether or not it was true. And later on, I did some research and found out, yeah. It It was was totally, yeah, it was like... All, a lot of stuff was shot up by uh, Laguna Pueblo also. And, and, and this would have yeah, been at yeah. a point in time when you could not access that location oh, information right. easily. Serious. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's right. like, yeah, I could go to the library and get online, like, take the time to do that. Right. So, kind of yeah. curious. As far as uh, films that are actually set in Albuquerque, I mean, do you guys have thoughts on, like, how Albuquerque tends to be portrayed? Especially in more modern movies. Oh, the only yeah. ones I can think of where it's set in Albuquerque, obviously Breaking Bad. Um, where else... What else had actually Albuquerque standing in as Albuquerque? Albuquerque as Albuquerque. Because there are weird well, ones like Hamlet 2. Lonely or the Brave is a classic okay, one. Okay, so yeah, that was the... It goes yeah. back to that. Bunny so O'Hare. Yeah. Okay, so that was actually kind of some previous ones. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, we're, oh, we're talking more recent. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, like, since the filming... Bre- Breaking boom, Bad really is the one that's that really defines the only one I can it think for of sure. Too, I mean, huh? There so was the, another show that filmed the same time in plain sight, I think, but they were they said that was somewhere else, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know, what would you say? It's sort of like, <laughs> it's generic enough to stand in for any number of places? So it's or? a western city. But I, but in my opinion, that's a sign of, like, out-of-touch filmmakers from mm. with, like, a coastal bias. Like, the Coen brothers using Albuquerque as El Paso and No Country for Old Men is, in my opinion, like... A flaw that really? was like it was, no. dude. We're, we're talking about really distinctive cities, like, and, yeah. and El Paso may be even more distinctive than Albuquerque. I mean, seriously, like a, a, a bilingual, like, pair of cities basically, right? On, each yeah. on its own sloping, you know, uh, va- valley floor, um, you know, going going down toward the river, yeah. And and on the Spanish side, there's like read the Bible, it's <laughs> true in huge, like, white rocks in Spanish, you know. You're talking like, about El Paso specifically, yeah. El pa- yeah. That's that's, that's Juarez. That's Right. But like, but I mean, like, we're talking so distinctive. It looks nothing like Albuquerque, and to me, that is like, yeah. this is what filmmakers who live on a coast think right. of the West. It's, it's just like, all a collage of different places. I, I think it's like, um, 
they're not looking for distinctive qualities to El Paso. Yeah. They're, they're trying to look uh, for something that's sort of generically some like kind of essence, I guess you could 1970s make that case, but. West or Southwest. Yeah. Then they did the know? same thing in True Grit. Like it's like, oh, they're journeying from Arkansas to New Mexico, and it's obviously uh, yeah. they're just recycling the same New Mexico locations <laughs> as they go. Well, some of that's probably but, just like money too, you know. Are the Coen Brothers not rich? I mean, <laughs> like, did I not? Well, they have to work with a studio. Though, I know, right? but come on, like, like. Spend a little bit more and like you know have some realism. I well, I think I think probably like Breaking Bad would be the gold standard of what you're talking about in terms of a of a, a little a bit TV show they, that's yeah. willing to identify with the place where it's actually the, the, they, Yes, but they do use a fictional like street geography oh, sometimes. Yeah. They'll talk about like meet me at the corner of this street and this other street that doesn't mm. intersect it at all. And and uh, and then like using Placidas as Mexico and stuff, which is cool yeah. to see, but it's also kind of like. It kind of just breaks the reality of yeah, of but, the, but that's something that happens only for people who it's, are very familiar. with I know the place. it's super snobby. It, yeah, it's and it's, I, it's nothing just the reality of like yeah, filmmaking. filmmaking. It's yeah. true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, but that that's that's a reason why yeah. Sicario is so breathtaking. Oh, nice. Because because the. Uh, the graffiti, like it, it's, it shows El Paso and Juarez, and the graffiti you're talking about is very evident, mm. and like the sense of place. And I would say that what the commonalities in what that movie shows, to, and what it has in common with Albuquerque, mm. is the sort of impoverished Southwest. Yeah. Mm. Usually, when you show the Southwest, in in certain ways, you're showing um, something that involves landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're showing something that involves um, some sort of essence of West. Yeah, yeah. But sure. it, it, but what the quality that the Albuquerque has to it in some ways is a sort of like dirt poorness. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> combined with a right. with like a very bleak and specific yeah. landscape. And, the, yeah, and that's something that like, and I think the reason that that people avoid that is because it's not that interesting mm. most of the time vision in terms of just in yeah. terms of a visual interest it's not a fascinating image I although i think okay so going back to breaking that i think that they utilize exactly what you're talking about in terms of the landscape here like it's not you know breathtaking <laughs> vistas particularly but it's a sort of like hard cornered unforgiving you know people can go out into this wilderness and get disappeared sure it has a beauty to it but yeah. it's not a welcoming beauty yeah. Yeah. it's it's a it's a dangerous beauty i yeah. think i think the similarities like one of the similarities for people who are not familiar with albuquerque is is the outskirts of Vegas, mm, yeah, or okay. or perhaps mm. small casino towns like towns like Laughlin, Nevada, right? Where yeah. there's not really a reason for that place to exist <laughs> in terms of local resources. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can get from a very hedonistic, um, but still not that rich mm-hmm. town center to a place where you could reasonably die yeah. pretty quickly <laughs> if you were yeah. left alone. Yeah. There you go. yeah. Um, I like that about it's it. It's sort of a city on the edge is how I yeah, would Yeah, we should start a podcast and <laughs> with that. <laughs> so um, one thing I wanted to talk about was maybe like some of the films. Since we're going to be talking about a film that was okay. that was uh, made here mm-hmm. prior to the film boom of the, uh, the 2000s, mm-hmm. um, I thought maybe we could look at movies that were made here mm-hmm. in addition to that. Uh, the earliest one I could find... Mm-hmm. It's pretty early. Um, that is Indian Day School. Okay. Filmed by the Edison Company in 1898. 
and Isleta. Wow, that's now what's cool. kind of interesting about this is that the uh, the movie we're going to be talking about, I think, filmed a lot in this letta. Actually, oh. has quite a few. Do you know that for a fact? I, was I trying think to find it was. I, filmed I think that uh, the church, that oh, yeah. distinctive church okay. in the background of the uh, mm. Native American scenes. Um, yeah. Now, Indian Day School is available on uh, on the Library of Congress website. Okay, it is twenty nine seconds long. Wow, um, and oh. that's all it ever was. It's not like it was uh, right. It's, it was this is Edison movie. showing what film can do, basically. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, they called yeah. it an actuality film, oh, which is to be opposed to a uh, or contrasted with a fiction film, yeah. which would this would be showing something that's you actual. Know what? Maybe that's the word to go for. I've always hated the term nonfiction. Nonfiction, like, not actuality. untrue. <laughs> Come on, why are we defining ourselves in relation to something that's making something up? Um, so the second film actuality. made in Albuquerque that I could find was called The Tourists in 1912. And again, this is about people from the East Coast or probably the West Coast, okay. um, either the East Coast or the West Coast, coming into Albuquerque and then interacting with Native Americans. Mm. Which I think this is an interesting like through line uh, for where we're going uh, in our discussion today. Okay. It's called The Tourists. It was uh, directed by Max Sennett, who... Um, oh, how cool. You know Max Sennett. Well, he had, he had Senate stu- Max Sennett Studios and he had a contract with Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, he, he made Charlie Chaplin, yeah, basically. basically. Yeah. And and the Keystone Cops, right. and I'm not I don't know the story of this one, but he no, he's um, hugely important for silent comedy. It starred Mabel Normand. Oh, she was great. She too. was in the first yeah. Charlie Chaplin films as well. Yeah, um, and in some of the first Keystone Cops films. Yeah. And I I I'm, I don't know the circumstances here, but my guess is that they were on the train coming mm-hmm. from hey, the like. East Coast or yeah. something. Stopped at the Alvarado Hotel, yeah. and we're like, hey, let's make a little movie. Yeah. So they did, and it's uh it's about. Maggie Normand and uh, some other Easterners getting off the train at the Alvarado Hotel. Um, I gotta see this. Talking with some of the uh, the Native American um, people who are selling things mm. <coughs> uh, by the train station. Interesting. Lo- uh, losing their train. Their train leaves without them, okay. so they get stuck. And then it becomes like both uh, ridiculously sexist and racist, kind oh. of all at the same time, where uh, Maggie Normand starts flirting with a uh, an Indian uh, named Big Chief. Um, who's clearly played by a white guy. And then his wife gets really mad at him, and uh, they chase both him and her out of town, like waving clubs. And it says, here comes the Indian suffragettes at the bottom, you know, which I thought was kind of amusing. And what year is this movie? 1912. 1912. Um, So I I thought that was kind of... That's really fascinating. Oh, and just one more thing about uh, Mabel Normand. Mm -hmm. Uh, in an interview with a family magazine, when asked what her hobbies were, she said, I don't know. Say anything you like, but don't say I love to work. That sounds like Mary Pickford. That's that prissy bitch. <laughs> Just say I like to pinch babies. <laughs> Just say I like to pinch babies and twist their legs and get drunk. So I think <laughs> Mabel Norman could maybe be our... Uh, <laughs> Seems like she kind of got bitter. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, so that was one about Interesting. coming into the Alvarado, talking to some Native Americans. I've always loved the quote from Max Sennett about losing Charlie Chaplin's contract over a minor argument that they had, uh, where he was like, it's fine, it's no big deal. He's only the greatest artist of the 20th century. See, what else uh, came out? You, you mentioned a few. Uh, Lonely oh, yeah. or the Brave? Yeah, Lonely or the Brave, that would have come, come later, I guess. Oh, there was, what about Ace in the Hole? I don't know that one. No, that? That's my brother saw that at the guild recently. That's the one where it has the 
it's about newspapermen covering like a mining a mine disaster. I've not seen it, but uh, okay. but, but it's the one that has the quote. Even for Albuquerque, that's pretty Albuquerque. Have you, have you ever heard that? <laughs> no, but I'm going to start using that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, it's, it's, you know, a guy gives him some coffee in the newsroom and then looks at it like, even for Albuquerque, this is pretty Albuquerque. That's a movie that has some acclaim, too. Yeah, yeah. It's really supposed to, supposed to be just really like existentially dark. It's like they shoot horses, don't they, or something. Um, I have this book called 100 Years of Filmmaking in New Mexico. This has a lot of a lot of good stuff, and I have I have um, not read this in years, so it's it's not fresh in my mind. But man, there's a lot, a lot. There's been a lot of stuff here, and it continues to happen. Like I'm um, I'm a big fan of these ghost towns just north of the Sandias, and anytime something films out there, it's always on my radar. I went and saw I see movies that I would never want to see, like Lone Survivor and The Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials, just because like they're filmed out in this area. I just saw and, that that was and, filmed there. It was so was it good? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that, the Lone Survivor is like like propaganda. Oh, uh, hey, <laughs> speaking of that ghost town, um, yeah. and I went out there last week and we got run off. Oh, really? By? Yeah, uh, by some guy in a truck. I don't know. By a ranch hand. <laughs> like, they literally ran you off the road? No, 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 not literally, but they, oh. they yelled at us and said we were trespassing and we were going to... You're not trespassing on the actual road. That's a public well, road. Well, we were walking on the oh. actual... We were behind a fence. So you were yeah. trespassing. Yeah, we were. Well, we well, were totally yeah, trespassing. Yeah. Come on, you got to trespass. <laughs> <laughs> like, there you uh, go. Audience, if there's one thing I can teach you, it's that sometimes you have to trespass to see cool stuff. Okay. Just go do that. Yeah, so Ace in the Hole, uh, Lonely Other Brave in 1962. Okay, all right. um, I've never seen that. Have you seen that? I, I hate to admit it, but I haven't. I think I've read the book by Edward Abbey back in the day when I was like a completist of his. Now, this uh, one looks interesting. In 1970, so right before our movie was filmed, something called Gas with three S's was, uh, was made. Wow, what a bad title. No idea. What a terrible uh, what it title. Um, <laughs> A gas is let loose upon the world that kills anyone over 25 years old. So we'll have to check that one out. So sometime. basically, Logan's Run. Yeah. That has a claim to gas. Does it? Not, not a critical claim. Uh, not a critical claim. Anti critical. Among claim. bad movie buffs? Within the genre community, that is a. That's a good one. Well, we yeah. should. Okay. okay. So that's something to work with. Yeah, there's one in 1971 that I, I watched some previews for. Unfortunately, it didn't look like you could. Uh, pick out Albuquerque particularly from anything. Oh. It's called The Brotherhood of Satan. Oh. Which is about a, a secret uh, sect of, well, Satanists yeah. uh, bothering little children. And uh, you seek it out on YouTube, watch the trailer. It's <laughs> quite I amazing. Will. I will, yeah. Um, Bunny O'Hare, 1972. Yeah, yeah. So what is that? Well, uh, I, I kept hearing about that one over and over again when I was writing my Sandias book. I have a book about the Sandias. Um, because uh, everyone would say like, oh yeah, when that was the barn dinner theater, they filmed Bunny O'Hare there. Like they filmed this over here, and uh, it just kept coming up again and again. Something with Jane Fonda. Yeah, right? yeah. Or Betty Davis too. Betty Davis. Okay. I huh? think. Um, and later there was Wild Hogs, which is oh up, yeah, that's up there. way later. Yeah. Screw that movie. Yeah. And then 1976, two movies with great critical acclaim. One. Yeah. Um, the Man Who Fell to Earth, a little oh. picture you probably haven't heard of. Yeah, uh, sorry. David Bowie. David Bowie. Yeah. Which rest, I've never seen. Rest in peace. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. Yeah. And it's probably filmed at the Terrace Cement Factory, and we're going to talk about it next week, right? That's yeah, gonna, yeah, we are. Yeah, we're gonna, that's going to be our next, our next episode, partly. Um, yeah, but yeah, so there was that one, which is a good film. Nicholas, uh, who, wrote, who directed that? Nicholas Rogue. Rogue, Nicholas Rogue. Did you see it? Yep. Beautiful, interesting film, full of so many cool visuals that will just stay with you forever. Him, this alien presence from a desert planet, watching like nine TVs at once and just absorbing all the information about Earth's culture. I mean, just just beautiful, interesting stuff. Um, But filmed all around here. But the other one 
is not as good. And it's uh, it's track of the moon, track of the moon beast, track of the moon, which beast. is like I, I want to be positive about it, but I just watched it and it, it's a bad movie. It's a really like. Like I was thinking, I could write a book about how not to write movies based on <laughs> like and use this movie as the central thing. It, it does everything wrong, everything. Yeah, pretty like, much. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's got some some moments, but but wow, it is it's just something else. Um, okay, well, um, I wrote a piece about it recently for East Mountain Living. Yeah, Magazine, let's go ahead and go into that. The Tracks of a Moon Beast by Mike Smith. Somehow it's September of 1972, and somehow we are with a young man and woman atop Sandia Peak, and somehow it's late at night, although it was just the middle of a sunny day when we began driving up here, and somehow the sky is storming, wild with thunder and lightning, although it's also clear enough that out that soon we'll be able to easily watch a meteor shower. We're about 12 minutes into a notoriously bad movie, and very little that is happening here will make any sense at all. Paul, the young man, dressed all in black, stands beside Kathy, the young woman, dressed in high-waisted denim shorts and a denim shirt in front of a windswept tree. You can see quite a distance up here, Paul says, although we've got a lot more air pollution than we used to. That's Albuquerque over there, and that road leads to Santa Fe northeast, and the river's over there. Paul, where are we exactly? Kathy asks, as if Paul hadn't just been describing where they were to someone who, one scene before anyway, had seemed to be from the same region. I'm sorry, we're on the top of Sandia Crest. It's 10,678 feet up, or down, depending on where you are, and your point of view, Paul replies as if getting paid by the word. Below them, 1972 Albuquerque shines with a dull luster, its east and west sides mostly dark, still mostly open desert. Suddenly, cartoonish meteorites begin falling diagonally across the city and falling all around them, and one almost crashes into Paul, knocking him conveniently on top of Kathy. Unbeknownst to Paul, however, a fragment of the meteorite has entered his forehead and become lodged in his brain, and will, when the moon is full, turn him into a murderous, half-human, half-lizard monster. This is Track of the Moon Beast, a low-budget science fiction horror film shot in 1972, but generally listed as a 1976 release, as it took that long for it to find distribution. That is, for it to find its way onto late-night TV and the flickering screens of a few drive-in movie theaters. Its actors were unknown and inexperienced. Its director, Dick Ash, had only sexploitation films, such as Girls Are For Loving, on his resume. Its lighting was mostly non-existent. Its sound was muddy. Its special effects were not special. Its camera work and editing were chaotic, and its script was written over a single weekend, resulting in laughable dialogue, erratic pacing, and a nonsensical story. And yet, Track of the Moon Beast has its charms, especially for anyone from Albuquerque or the Sandias, as it's inadvertently a documentary time capsule of both. Near the beginning of Track of the Moon Beast, we meet Paul, a muscular mineralogist slash former anthropologist who's hard at work on an archaeology dig. Look, he does science, okay? There's only one kind of science, right? Next, we meet Johnny Longbow, Paul's Native American anthropologist friend who will show up again and again to make speeches about semi-relevant lore. And then we meet Kathy, a leggy, fashionable photographer. Paul meets Kathy at the same time we do, and yet the rest of the movie unfolds as if they're an inseparable couple that has always done everything together. 
that night up on Sandia Peak, the meteorite hits Paul, enters his brain, and begins turning him into a were-lizard every moonlit night. And every time that happens, he brutally murders people, leaving behind only blood in his monstrous tracks, the tracks of a moon beast. The story is pretty random. Why would a meteorite, even one knocked off the moon by another meteorite, which is the story here, turn someone into a lizard? But its locations offer a delightful glimpse into another time. There's a geology museum in UNM's Northrop Paul, where a moon rock in a terrarium sends a beam of light into Paul's head. There's Kurt's camera corral in Albuquerque, where Johnny Longbow develops some film that's never again mentioned and never really explained. There's the aerial tram, which a Paul-like mannequin jumps out of in an imaginary suicide. There's State Road 44 near Placidus, on which Paul wrecks his motorcycle. There's the road up to the crest, which Kathy parks along while searching for Paul. And there's Route 66 through Tejeres Canyon, which Johnny races along to stop Paul, a moonrock-tipped arrow on the seat beside him. In one scene earlier, Paul and Kathy and Johnny take a break from all the madness to attend a local concert. Albuquerque singer-songwriter Frank Larrabee performing California Lady in a style reminiscent of Jim Croce. Stop by the Corrales Community Library sometime, and you'll find a wing still named after that guy. As for the actors, they mostly faded away. Although Lee Drake, who played Kathy, did have a small role as a police dispatcher in the cult classic The Return of the Living Dead. The film's locations, at least, have gone on to bigger things. Albuquerque, for instance, has seen its population more than double. And the film itself has gained an unplanned reputation that's kind of kept it alive. It's been famously mocked by Mystery Science Theater 3000, a show whose characters crack jokes over the entirety of terrible movies. This film was lit with a spelunker's headlamp, said one and the Internet Movie Database, which catalogs the details of 3.4 million movies and TV episodes, ranks Track of the Moon Beast as the 54th worst movie ever. Anytime we try to create something, we take a risk. The risk of failing, of looking stupid, of wasting our time and effort. But even our failures are, in a way, successes, because they're proof. Proof we tried. They show the world that we lived, and that we weren't just sitting around and waiting. Track of the Moon Beast succeeds at approximately zero things as a movie. But in its attempts, it gave us something else. Proof of a time before this time. Proof of a place in an earlier state. Proof of a lost world that was actively moving toward us. So, track of the moon beast. Track. All right, I want to start with Regis here. Um, Regis kind of got roped into watching this recently. He would <laughs> Sorry, not Regis. have seen it uh, <laughs> prior to this, or nor would he have had reason to. So what, what did you think of uh, Track of the Moon Beast? Well, Track of the Moon Beast is a movie that no one ever needs to see. <laughs> um, wow, that's a little harsh. <laughs> very few things require or uh, allow harshness, but... Uh, a movie that's such an utter failure. Utter it, failure. It's it really, bad. really it's so bad. Can. It 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 befuddles me why someone um, would make this accessible. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's the movie's available freely on YouTube. It's in public domain. It's in public domain. So at least there's like it's easy to make it accessible. Yeah. But then, yeah. Why would you take the extra step to uh, to put it out there? Yes. Mm. So 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 I think. That there's a lot of, of issues with the movie in general. Okay. Um, 
most glaringly, as Mike mentioned, is the the lighting, and that may be a product of the print. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's very yeah. hard to see sure. things uh, in the it's darkness of the show. So dark, right? It's right so right, dark. Right. Um, which actually works um, in some unintended, interesting <laughs> ways huh. that we'll get into later. Okay. Um, and any, uh, if I was going to characterize the. Uh, the acting in the movie and call it shifty <laughs> shifty all right furtive shifty mm. acting furtive acting yeah. furtive, furtive acting very yeah. very um, uncommitted yeah, yeah. Um, everything is delivered in the same register oh. it's quiet yeah confident yeah. and non-emotional it's a little bit like what you might hear from a, a museum guide except that lady with the uh, the girlfriend with the who's right. wearing short shorts the whole time who Kathy. just like she makes these exclamations just out of nowhere like oh wow it's yeah. the moon moon right I forgot. I have to photograph the NASA exhibit tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. that's right. She, she that's was right. committed for sure. Right. There's a couple notable exceptions wherein yeah. wherein that that dull, unemotional register changes. Yeah. Um, but most of the movie, you're hearing this this dialogue that's preposterous that's and preposterous. should be delivered um, with some emotion. Um, yeah. And it's not, so it's very unsettling. That's <laughs> unsettling. So That's such a it's sort of yeah, it's sort of unintentionally creepy. It's a claustrophobic <laughs> film, especially with the darkness. Like That's it just true. it's, it's very crowded by it. Um, and and yeah. you also know intellectually that because this is a movie, things that are being filmed are supposed to be significant. Mm. Right, okay. So yeah. so when two people talk, you expect anything. Yeah, yeah. Um in a, in, a, in a bad movie, the entertainment is almost always unintentional mm-hmm. and incidental. Yeah. Right. So there's moments wherein you're you are as the viewer are reading in a relationship that does not exist within the text of the film. Okay, um, okay. but which is very unintentionally existing because okay. of the delivery. So what 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 do you point to in this movie as as that? There's a scene in which in which Kathy, um, the moon beast's girlfriend, mm-hmm. can we call her thigh gal? Because her thighs are prominent throughout the whole film, she which did, yeah. you know, yeah, that's fine. But you know, sure, sure. It's, it's notable. Where yeah. she and and a, a UNM professor, uh, Professor Salinas, aka Johnny Johnny Longbow. Longbow. Um, they AKA, let's translate that for the listeners at home who might not understand what longbow means. Um, according to the film, it is a, uh, it translates to, uh, how do we, one with a bow who points it at a thing that is far away and shoots it and hits the target. That's longbow translated from the Indian. I don't know how you even like be present in the room while it's playing and not cringe, like to the point of like, like that it starts a chain reaction of shutters that. Right, just, right. It, oh man, it's so dumb. Yeah, longbow means one whose bow shoots long to the mark. What the? Oh man. So, so there, there's a moment when uh, Kathy gets in Johnny Longbow's car. Okay. And Johnny Longbow, to his credit, is probably the 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 only charismatic actor. I like Johnny film. Longbow. I was He's like, right. I would watch like yeah. a show about Johnny Longbow. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Written by different people. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Written <laughs> by different people. There's a moment when the two of them get in the car, and you feel as if there's going to be a love scene. Yeah. Oh, okay. There is tension between John there and Longbow tension. and the actors. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. clearly not tension between the characters. Oh, okay. No. Because oh. within the context of the movie, they've just left her boyfriend. Her boyfriend, yeah. who is yeah. deathly turning Ill. into a lizard. Yeah. yeah. So there's no 
structural right. or wow. plot reason for that to happen. But but there's this moment where you're like, are, are they having yeah. charisma? Is there yeah. chemistry here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, and the only answer shit. to that is that yes, those two are they were in maybe real like life. Really attracted to each other. They were yeah. because to be clear, Kathy and Paul have no chemistry. No, that's other. true. Zero. That's Cal true. Paul's Zero probably gay. Chemistry. He's probably gay. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, you know, I mean, there's just like there's that little chemistry. It's like Tom Hanks and Audrey Tatao in The Da Vinci Code. It's like that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think there was a scene where Paul, like, it's supposed to be like they're they're sort of flirting and they're going to go up to watch the moon on the mountain, you know, and it's so it's supposed to be kind of a little sexy scene or whatever. But so not. uh, He just kind of grabs her elbow and like drags her to his motorcycle. He's predatorial, man. He's like the way he drags her around and like. I mean, like, you know, so they're out at what it seems like a, a Pueblo way on the west side of town. And he's, she's yeah. like, I want to get some night shots around here. And he's like, well, I know some place we get some, but it's really far away. Yeah, yeah. And then he takes her to the top of Sandy Peak, which is like an hour away from wherever the hell he is. Right, right. And, you know. So I think that, I think that the, uh, the Pueblo is Isleta, which is interesting oh, really? because that figures into the very first movie. Oh, that is New interesting. Mexico, right? huh, huh. That's, I believe that's the church that's uh, shown in the background. I couldn't tell. I couldn't place it. I mean, there's so many shots that are close in this. It's like hard yeah. to establish locations. Like right. They waste locations, really, by ha- keeping it so close. This was this director's first movie directing. Oh, really? He was the first AD on two other films, both sexploitation films, and the second AD on what sounds like it's actually a good movie called um, Diary of a Mad Housewife. Like, Roger Ebert oh. rated it really highly. Highly, yeah. It has Carrie Snodgrass in it, who Neil Young sang about. Oh. And... Um, yeah, but his other ones were Girls Are For Loving in a place called Today. And this was his first, so maybe it was... Yeah, this was his like, first. Yeah. And it's pretty clear from the plot and, and title and effects of the movie that this is not meant to be an attractive picture. This is meant right. to be something that teenagers see and then... Yeah, like a drive, like a, like a, it's a drive quintessential drive. drive-through film. And yet it's so chaste and timid and just like yeah, not... Yeah. Like the monster is barely seen and it looks cardboard. Like, yeah. you know, like... The lead couple like kisses a tiny bit, but like they're obviously like you know going to church on the weekends. She's willing to like uh, tend to her sick boyfriend pretty quick. I gotta say, they just meet at the beginning and then they're like together one day. Like I don't even know if they spend any romantic time together other than when like. So what happens is they're as you point out in your piece, they're hanging out on the top of the mountain. Suddenly, all these moon rocks come streaming down, and one, of course, hits him in the head. Yeah, and he's fine. Which you don't feel. Sometimes, like just a piece of steel just goes right into your head. You don't feel it. Yeah, whatever. It's freaking weird. All right. So, what what other observations do you have, Regis? I see you've got. Well, uh, uh, some of the other things had to do with with some of those other unintentional and incidental. Keep going. I I like that one you mentioned. Um, There's there's. Moments when the the length of a cut mm-hmm. is is wrong. Hmm. So it's like it goes wrong. black too long or something like that, or uh, something will go black too long, or more often they will show something for too short or too long. Mm. Uh-huh. There's a moment when early in the picture when Kathy is startled by a lizard. Oh god! Oh. <laughs> no, is it Kathy or one of the other grad student girls? Oh, I don't know. I think it's, it's the other grad student. Yeah. One, one of uh, the, the there's a lot of lizard scares. In not just like frightened, but freaked out. Very very. Like, yeah. She just saw somebody throw yeah. a severed head in front of her. Like. Ah! 
In defense of Kathy, I think in that scene where she sees the Komodo dragon or whatever it is in yeah. his apartment, she's just realizing he's a reptile person. That he, like, <laughs> like, that is yeah. something that she, you know, that's a big thing to get into. So, so what's the, uh, <laughs> so the cut's too... The cut is too short. So you see the lizard... For a split second, for a split yeah. second, for a split second yeah, yeah. and it's and it's just it's very unsettling. Uh, and then, well, uh, the good <laughs> there, later, another triumph. <laughs> it's a triumph. There, there's there's a later scene that is genuinely horrifying, um, where the uh, the moon beast has just killed a man mm-hmm. outside of his door. Oh yeah, no, and it that shows. Was a, this is a good scene. It shows. Uh, we we don't see the moon beasts. Kill the man, which of course we do not, because that's right. the sort of movie this is. But we see his wife, who's who's spitefully locked him out of house. Yeah, yeah. We see her walk towards the front door, and and at first, it, it, there's a pan from from her face, and you sort of get a sense from her acting that maybe she's having physical pains. Oh, okay. Um, and then it pans down to her from her face to her stomach to her to sort of linger on her hand and show her wedding ring. Oh. And then uh, and then it shows the blood pooling from indoors. Uh-huh. And it's very slow. I yeah, I remember the blood kind of yeah. dripping inside from yeah. out, outside like that was that was a very that was a creepy moment. That's a sure. creepy moment. And yeah. there's and there's something about the timing of that. It's it's so slow. Mm-hmm. I bet yeah. if you timed it it took about ten seconds, and a shot like that realistically takes two. Right, two right, right. Um, I mean, the money shot is the blood. You don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, most you of don't it need to like linger over it, right? Like that. So, and yet they do, and that's kind of that's very disturbing. So like, you don't know what's going on, and if it was a if it was a like a David Lynch picture or anything that yeah. trafficked in unease, you would understand. Right, as, yeah. a, as a very conscious and choice. And if I recall correctly, there's a shot of the guy's face outside that is really sad. Like, he just looks like a world-weary person. Yeah, and he's, he's like, like a drunk guy coming home from the bowling alley. From the bowling alley. Right. Everyone th- drinks at the bowling alley. That's why they sell beer there. That's like, like a, a, a <laughs> 70s Albuquerque thing, right? Yeah. Like, I remember oh, there was, a, yeah. there was a, a book that came out uh, by Alan Dean Foster about... Uh, Albuquerque. <coughs> it's called Quozel. Not a good. No, it wasn't called Quozel. I can't remember what it was called. Glory Lane or something. Never heard of it. Um, but it was like the only punk rocker in Albuquerque in 1972, and like that's he just book? has I to hang out at uh, bowling alleys because that's all there there are for like places for him to go at night. Wow. <laughs> Which I think you know, if you look around town, there's a lot of like dead bowling alleys around here. You know, ones that have been repurposed into different things. So it's like that that to me like seemed like that a very Albuquerque moment, you know. I have read that this scene is a direct ripoff of the nineteen forty two film Cat People. Oh, um, which that. which apparently has a scene where someone is killed outside a door and their blood leaks underneath That's the door and comes in. Uh, okay. Which you're right, I agree it's one of the most effective scenes in the film. Which, but again, like, it's not intentionally effective. Yeah, nothing about yeah. huh. nothing about. It's the, not like a, there's nothing about the way it's been directed that makes you feel like it's a. It's not consistent with the rest of the film. Not at all. And you, you do not feel maybe. a sense of mortality. Like well, yeah. we never know the monster's motivations. Like he just turns into a lizard thing, and then he just kills everything that comes into yeah. his path. And yeah. even like with the you know, so like take a werewolf movie, like The Wolfman yeah. or something, which is obviously modeled off of. Which is yeah, like yeah. basically the premise of this movie is: what if there's a werewolf, but actually a lizard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that's yeah. so. Any, anyway, you take it like an old werewolf movie. Yeah. 
And the motivations are generally laid out. It's like, oh, this problem you have turning into a wolf right. makes you want to seek out and kill those you love and feel passionate about. Yeah. Those you love and those you hate, right? Yeah. Whereas this guy, he turns into a lizard and he's just sort of rampaging around, but like not in his house. Yeah, yeah. He like goes far away. He yeah, goes yeah. out into the, the boonies. He finds poker players in a tent yeah. out in the desert, which is apparently a thing that exists in 1972. <laughs> Some poor guy coming home from the bowling alley. Like, yeah, like, it's not like he's lacking for victims around right. him. You know, right. he's, he's not seeking out Johnny Longbow yeah. because of sublimated, uh, you know, uh, desire to protect them or something, right? Or jealousy yeah. of yeah. how awesome Johnny Longbow is because right. he's awesome. Yeah. Or he and he's totally going to steal his girlfriend once the guy dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there is a nice, there is there is some precedent, in, at least within the movie, some attempted mm-hmm. precedent where they talk about oh yeah the 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 native, the legend, native legend of a, or I think maybe it's a, I believe perhaps it's a. It's a deerskin drawing. Right, right, right. right, right, right. right. Oh, the last time a meteorite came from the moon and hit somebody yeah. in the head. Yeah. Because yeah. this has yeah. happened. It's like there's nine origin stories for it. It's like, so there's this, in Native American lore, it happens that people yeah. just turn into lizards and then they blow up later on. When and they get hit fire. in the head, though. Like, he gets yeah, yeah. hit in the head by a moon. And too. it has something to do with his lizard being in his apartment. He has a Komodo dragon that escapes when Named it all happens. Named Ty. Named Ty, Named, yeah. Short for Tyrannosaurus, they say. Oh, it's just it, this movie's so dumb. It like makes me. Feel it runs away, and there's never an explanation of why Ty yeah. the lizard runs away. Yeah, look, I was if, under the impression that that the moon beast ate it. Oh wow. Oh okay. And that was just that me could, putting two and two together. That I'm could sorry. make sense. I thought maybe the moon beast scared it. Yeah. That's also possible. But I, you know, there's, we're we're never given any particular answer to yeah, that. We're yeah, not. yeah. Um, I think I feel like it was supposed to maybe be a red herring. Like we're supposed to think oh. that Ty the lizard is the right. lizard man. But then we already saw the dude get hit in the head with the moon rock. Like right, right, something right. up with that. Well, yeah, and even the moon rock explanation isn't left as like the the origin for what the hell's going on because then he goes to the UNM Geology Museum and like a little white tracer of light comes out of a moon rock and yeah, display zaps like, him in the head. Which, yeah. And like, what does that have to do with anything? Constantly in this movie, it's ridiculous. You don't even need an origin story. Just like let it's, it be mysterious. It's like very telegraphed, especially yeah, considering yeah. that the name of the movie is Track of the Moon. Track of the Moon. They, they yeah. really it's something to do with the moon. <laughs> make it like Night of the Living Dead, where you just say like, yeah, there was some satellite from Jupiter and dust or something. I like yeah, yeah. you know, just keep it vague and like let the story be. It's just, it's a uh, yeah, really. It's just man, it's such a badly written film. Can we talk about Bill Finger? Yeah, okay, so this movie was co-written by two people, Bill Finger and Charles Sinclair. I don't know much about Charles Sinclair, but Bill Finger was the co-creator of Batman. And some people would argue the creator. Like, I actually saw, uh, there's an article on uh, Cracked right now. Hmm. Um, Well, I guess forever, because it's the internet. Mm -hmm. It says, um, so Bill Finger. Okay, so Bill Finger and Bob Kane. Bob Kane is credited with the invention of Batman. Mm Mm-hmm. Bill Finger. Uh, Bob Kane decided to enlist the help of a friend, a freelance writer named Bill Finger, to help develop the paper-thin idea he had of basically a guy like Superman but something to do with a bat. Like, that was kind of Bob (laughs) Kane's idea. This translated to getting someone else to do the bulk of the work for him. All right, so things in this article are maybe a little overstated. Bob's original vision included no story of any kind. He drew the first sketches, which Bill then completely overhauled, including pointing to bat in the dictionary and suggesting that Batman have a bat-like cowl instead of just, like, a Superman-like cape, which was black. Um, Finger also wrote Batman's murdered parents' origin story, as well as the first stories to feature Robin, Catwoman, the Penguin, Riddler, Scarecrow, Commissioner Gordon, Gotham City, the Batmobile, Batman's secret identity, the nickname the Dark Knight. 
Um, essentially, Bill Finger gave life to Batman in every sense of the word. Interesting. So that's that, a big deal. Yeah, like I say, it might be a little overstated because it's cracked, and that's kind no. Of I, thing. But I've read a few things too, and yeah, it certainly seems like he was a significant figure in the, uh, right. the creation of and Batman. And Track of the Moonbeast was his last thing that he wrote. Bill that's, Finger yeah. wrote this, and then he died in 1974 before the movie even found a distributor and got released at all. And from what I understand, uh, uh, it was written in a weekend. Yeah. Does this surprise you? No. No. <laughs> Not any. Yeah. No, it doesn't surprise me. And Finger was a notoriously slow writer. So if he churned this out in a weekend, he mu- it must have really been against <laughs> his nature. And oh, that's funny. It yeah. sure shows. It but is. he was really quite poor at that point. Like, he hadn't yeah. received very little compensation yeah. for his work on Batman. Yeah. Um, and then this was sort of done as a as a money-grabbing attempt yeah. to make a... Uh, to make a drive-in movie that the kids would like, you know, they'd go and see the the lizard man from the moon or whatever yeah. and, and give him money, which didn't happen. It never showed the no, yeah. It only showed on no, television. I, I have found comments online of people that say, saying that they saw it at, like, late-night drive-in movie theaters. Oh, okay. So I think it, I think it did find its way. Uh, into like just you know maybe after like the, yeah like the first, third or? thing maybe yeah I think I like know. you know once you make a print of something that, that those tend yeah. to circulate around and right. have a life of some sort you know so the uh, yeah. the monster design was done by a guy named Joe Blasco who okay. was, uh, had some marginal renown uh-huh. as well as Cheers. a as a uh, as an effects and makeup artist okay yeah is he the guy who did the Men in Black. Because somebody who did the creature design went on. I don't to believe so. Work on Men in I think, Black. I think Blasco died oh, okay. uh, in the 1980s. I uh, read that he was the makeup artist for Orson Welles, Olivia Newton-John, Lauren Bacall, and Bette Midler, the guy who played <laughs> the monster and the guy who played the monster. Yeah, and did the monster. Oh, he was monster. the makeup artist. Joe, Bla- Joe Blasco, and he also played the Moon Beast too. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he worked with David Cronenberg. So that explains why he's a terrible actor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah they, thought the, they thought the Moon Beast was because he wasn't he wasn't uh, the guy. No. He was just the I guy. Who he was, was the in the Moon Beast makeup. Who was? Did you guys ever see that terrible film Horror at Party Beach, where the guy just comes out of out of the waves and like turns around a bunch? Somehow it, I haven't seen this film. Oh, it's really awful. It's like it's probably worse than this one. But but um, this is that kind of monster where it's like every time you see it, it's just like kind of moves yeah, stiffly around stiff. the room. And you when know. he uh, when he uh. kills the the men in the tent, one person he just kind of taps on the shoulder, yeah. tag and, it. and then the next guy tears his arm <laughs> oh, off. Yeah. <laughs> one guy goes down with a tap; the other guy has to get his arm wrenched off, and then he kind of carries uh. the arm around a little bit That's for right. a second or That's two. That's right. Which again is one of those moments where it's like you're not used to it. You figure if somebody gets their arm torn off in one of these movies, it's usually a quick cut, you know, and then it's like on the floor. But he kind of holds it up, and it you know. A little yeah. too long somehow. That's right. I was thinking we should talk about the, what we see of Albuquerque. Yeah, in, I think in, that's a good one. In this, uh, in this film, like, so the the locations that I was able to to note specifically were the Geology Museum, it, which is like kind of exactly the same now. You guys, there's like the, nothing has yeah. changed in that room to this day. Yeah, I've you, been there fairly recently. Yeah, yeah, actually, it's like the same, which is kind of great. I mean, on U Hall, you don't need to update Mammoth Tooth. And if you are like a big fan of yeah. this film, you can. We well, said that it was Northrop Hall. Or, yeah, I, yeah, was, North I thought maybe it was the uh, Meteorite Museum, but it's the one well, the Meteorite Museum is right next to it. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, okay. And, which is great. It so goes you can go on, go on to campus yeah. and you can see yeah. where. Um, What's his name? Johnny or yeah, Johnny Jerry? Johnny Doctor Salinas Santana. Yeah, yeah, what's, yeah. What's the name of the guy who gets turned into the lizard beast? Paul. Uh, Paul. Paul. Where Paul gets zapped Paul. in the brain with a with a moon, with a yeah. moon beam. 
Kurt's Camera Corral, which is here in the Heights still. That was Kurt's Camera Corral. You can still go to that. Uh, okay. Um, Actually, I think it's it either closed or it's about to close. So. Is it really? Hurry I'm up. To hear that. Um, oh, I'm maybe you can peek in the windows. That's so, right in Knob Hill. Did you see the scene set at Codes, Coin, and Guns? <laughs> yeah. And in, in the MST3K version, they say, I'm going to buy a Glock and a Wheat Penny, yeah, right. which is so funny. But I met Jim Code a while ago. He had a coin shop on Eubank um, a few years back called Code Coins. And um, and I knew him for a brief while during that. But yeah, he has a little cameo. On this that was movie. the same guy. Yeah, same guy. Oh, okay. State Road Forty Four out by Placidus is in there. That that scene where Frank Larrabee is playing California Lady. That's the Ramada it Inn. Is the Ramada. The Ramada Inn here. And supposedly they uh, the filmmakers went to the Ramada Inn just to hang yeah. out, and they uh, they discovered Frank Larrabee, the oh, singer yeah. of California Lady, mm-hmm. and that is how he went on to the great oh, yeah. uh, form of. It's not the worst song in the world. Like Frank Larrabee, if you ever hear this, it's it's pretty good. It's fine. I guess Frank Larrabee lives in Corrales still. He he ran a construction company. He raises Appaloosa horses. Oh, that's great. And I heard something really cool that he did. He did weekly fundraisers for the Corrales Library. That's right. And that's why they named that wing after him. You can go to the Frank Larrabee room in the Corrales Library. Yeah. The, um, the song is all right, but I was I was put off by the way it's but, by the way it was used. Oh, they, yeah. We show the context of the song is that is that Paul, uh, the professor, and Kathy go see him, and <laughs> and during the movie or during the excuse me during the concert, mm-hmm. Paul has a moonbeast preliminary attack. Yeah, they have okay, to take a petite mall moonbeast yeah. seizure. So we, we start mm. out with the song being sung and. Um, and you expect it to just be kind of a concert shot where yeah. it shows Frank Larrabee just singing hanging it, out hanging yeah. it. and then it's the soundtrack to Kathy and the, the yeah. professor putting Paul to bed right undressing yeah. him while California Lady plays in the background yeah yeah. and also uh, do you remember um, when they <laughs> when they're first watching California uh-huh. Lady and they uh, yeah. it pans over to the audience, and everybody yeah. just looks horrified yeah. and like sad, and like uh, like nobody's enjoying California Lady. No, uh, uh, everybody yeah, hates. Why Cal- are we here? <laughs> no one knows exactly how they got there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. So the the first shot of the film, I believe, has a planetarium. Is that yeah. here? I bet that's UNM's. That's probably UNM's. Yeah, huh? over on University, off of University. You know, I, I've speaking of of things about Albuquerque, like. The, the thing I kept thinking to myself, even yeah. though this is a terrible movie, mm. was I just wish it was a better print. Yeah. yeah, yeah because yeah. There, there's, there's this lovely, far too long landscape shot in the very beginning uh-huh. where they, they show the, um, the credits over a, a pretty generic, not really pretty, but outdoors yeah. New Mexico shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and there's some later shots where they show I, the other show the the sun going down or the moon coming going up, coming up mm. uh-huh. in the mountains and and you can tell that you know the like the sky from the mountains is breathtaking yeah and I really wanted to see that yeah I yeah, know yeah, you're talking yeah. about yeah there's also For a sure. scene where where they show the. They show a, a citywide shot, which is rare for this movie. It's so claustrophobic. Most right. of it is is just enough room for two or three people to yeah, stand yeah. and talk. Huh. They show the whole city, and they show lightning oh, yeah, illuminating yeah. the Sandias. Right. And it looks to me like they must have. It must be a cutout of some kind because yeah, the, the, the mountain range is not shaped right. like it's it is in this right. movie. And yeah. It's so simply weird. too sophisticated of a shot for the countless <laughs> yeah. get. It's true. Well, well, like in that shot where they show the full moon every time, it's obviously a photo. They like zoom <laughs> zoom in on. That's it. right. Here's a photo of the moon. Yeah, it's man. 
and I also enjoyed uh, how 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 the the houses um, that the movie takes place in are so unpretentious. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 I kind of felt like so. I live in a, a house, uh, kind of one of the one of the original suburbs of uh, Albuquerque in the 1940s, you hmm. know, GI Bill housing basically, and um, it resembles very much like the house right. where uh, the bowler comes home to. Sure. And the way it's decorated, I couldn't help but think, you know, this might have been what my house looked like in the 1970s. Right. Crazy. You know? right. um, Crazy. Because it, it seemed very like. Southwestern, yeah. you know, but but done in the old fashioned yeah. southwestern way. Interesting. Yeah, everything's you know one yeah. story adobe homes right. yeah. with patios and kind of bare. I do yards. like that part of it. I like just seeing yeah. the yeah. city. Yeah. That was fascinating. The yeah. back the back patio of um, Paul's house. Yeah. Where it's like a, a Paul's mom's house, yeah. I guess, because he lives with his mother, yeah. <laughs> which Kathy finds irresistible. Yeah. Of course, um, the uh, she's in Europe. The back patio is uh, cinder block. It's all cinder block, oh, yeah. which of course was like yeah. the wonder material of Albuquerque in the fifties through yeah. the eighties. Really, it's just like you don't need wood. Yeah. Oh man, it's so weird. Yeah, it's like. There, there's some nice um, what would have passed as local color mm-hmm. in terms of showing native life yeah. early on. I mean, they, they have uh, they have the reservation and there's right. a moment when they all eat and they have <laughs> they have some delicious soup. And they, he soup. slowly names the ingredients. <laughs> and it's, and it's, this is another issue with the movie is the line reading. <laughs> uh, he's listing off the ingredients. The ingredients chicken, soup. corn, green pepper, chili, Onions. And they onions. size. Onions. An old family recipe. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah, that'd be a hard one to figure out there, Johnny. And he, and he tells a great uh, uh, native legend about about lizards and man's mortality. Well, what the heck was that about? Because, okay, I think it probably was about lizards shedding their skin and uh-huh. living on. So the, the story that he tells is a coyote and lizard are making man. And uh, they're they're arguing about what form man's going to take. What form man's hands are going what to take. What form man's yeah man's hands are going to take. And lizard says, "Let's make them like my hands, you know, four fingers and a thumb." And so they agree to that. But then the compromise is. But lizard says, "says man has to be mortal." But man like has coyote. to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, coyote. Is it coyote that says? I believe so. Coyote says, "Man has to be mortal like me, and never again try to be like lizard." Right. Which. Might make sense if you establish that uh, shedding your skin is some kind of immortality, but they don't do that. So instead, right. you're just like, well, okay, man can't be like lizard. Like how? Like and shedding your skin scurrying? is not is not important in this movie. Right. This isn't a thing um, that happens. I mean, beyond the local color and beyond the the incessant mentioning and showing of lizards, right? The only reason for that movie in it, movie movie to be there is to show is to say people die. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Is to just bring up, bring up the grim specter yeah. of mortality. There's just you just gotta. Sometimes you get hit by a moon rock. You live a few days, yeah. turn into a monster, and then you burst into flame. That's all there's to it. Sorry, <laughs> it's just life. Yeah, or um, oh, I guess well, spoilers. But Johnny Longbow shoots him with a moon rock. Oh, yeah, and that's yeah. what. Uh, but somehow that well. like he reaches critical moon rock mass yeah. and then bursts into flame. Well, well, if you recall the. Uh, 
the uh, doctors he calls in from NASA, I think. Yeah, yeah I like those guys. They, they predict that, that he'll continue to react with, with the moon. <laughs> Somehow. Somehow, until yeah. he reacts. Does NASA actually have brain surgeons? I thought that was weird. There were NASA brain don't surgeons. I don't think NASA does. <laughs> At one point, the, Na- the NASA doctor describes the moon, and he says, the moon, a moon rock of a gigantic size. That, nope, that's uh-uh. oh, very that. correct. <laughs> Holy crap, how could I miss that? That's brilliant. And, and the... Uh, Mike mentioned the scene in the tram earlier. Oh, that's right. Is, there's that one. Where they talk about the tram? No. Where, where there, there's a great scene when, when near the end of the movie where, where Paul has run off because he doesn't want to turn into yeah. the creature, doesn't want to kill, and he's going to kill himself. So first yeah. he makes a visit to this gun shop and then leaves, and uh, then he, he goes into the mountains that he loves. This yes. is an establish. He right. loves the mountains. Yes. The three things we know about Paul are he's lonely, He's got a lizard. <laughs> got a lizard. He lives with his mom. I guess there's more things than that. Um, <laughs> poor things. Really. Child of divorce. Child of divorce. That's right. That's important. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's why he's so lonely. Um, and he wears a lot of monochrome outfits. <laughs> okay. Consistently. Yeah. Takes but his shirt off a lot. He, he looks at the tram going up, and yeah. uh, he, he, he it's not clear that he's imagining this. But he, he imagines he gets, yeah, gets on it. No, that's and, right. And begins that's to have right. a weird attack, and there's some... Vaseline on the lens or yeah. something to indicate like that things are vision or lizard vision, yeah. and then he jumps out <laughs> and he dies. Yeah, right. But then abruptly we cut back to him because it was all a dream. Clearly, it's a dream. Yeah. Um, I wonder well, if they actually filmed that. If they threw a mannequin out of the tree, they did. It's they did. Clear that if you watch it, you mm-hmm. can see the you know it's a mannequin, mm-hmm. it's stiff limbs and everything. Mm-hmm. I, that's a hey, feat. Tomorrow, I like lizard vision. Come, come here, come here, come here. Uh, you gotta tell Mara's us. Seen you, it. She's you seen it. What did you think of? What do you think of it? You have to come near the microphone, though. Oh. That's my girlfriend who always has her say in these podcasts. That's right. I always have my say. Okay. Uh, So my... She won't officially be part of it. Like, she refuses to. (laughs) But she always has something to add. Okay. My two cents for Lizard Vision is this. I watch track of the movies while... Mike and I were delousing each other. What? My kids had lice. We had lice. Yeah. So yeah. We, it was very romantic, you this guys. This sounds like a lovely evening with the. Yeah. We watched um, Minor's Hands of Fate too. Yeah. I think after that, we yeah. you have to see this horrible movie called Check of the Those are movie. movies. Are movies you watch when delousing? Yeah. yeah. It's like okay, and I it just it was so bizarre. It, none of it made sense. The editing. I I thought was really it's awful it was really awful bad yeah but it was badly poetic and yeah. honest but this one was just like all over the place and the storyline was just yeah but, but you're gonna cover California Lady with oh, one yeah, of your yeah. bands yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. we're gonna try to have a little event at some point yeah we'll do a podcast or, uh, event of watching this movie at the guild or something movie. I think we should also watch some of the early like the 1890s that's a great idea yeah, maybe we should get so really good. let's get uh, the guy Jeff Ber- Berg involved he, who's, who, who writes books about New Mexico filmmaking and stuff. okay that's cool yeah. Yeah, yeah. what is cool. your consensus about track of the you don't like it anymore well no every time I watch it I feel different it just depends on my mood really yeah, but I do I do feel like it has a it's moments. I mean, I think it's like it's. Um, by what do I mean by that? Um, 
It's a terrible movie. It's just I don't I don't I don't know how to how to frame that. But but I can sense like individual attempts. Like there are people that are trying in this film. Mm-hmm. There really are. I think Kathy's really trying. <laughs> Poor Kathy. I really think so I, I think, I think right. she is. I think she is committed she's, to she's it. One of the Lee only Drake. That's trying. Yeah. Just not a good actress. At Johnny Longbottom. At least. Oh, man. Well, but she's reading garbage scripts well, yeah, too. I mean, like still like oh wow, you know, like she's yeah. she's overdoing it for sure. Maybe. Yeah, I could say that, yeah. Yeah, she needs the, some training. Yeah, the um, the cop, the cop who investigates. Mm-hmm. Man, I feel like that guy was he was giving it his like mm-hmm. Marlon Brando, you know, investing really himself. But yeah. He's like, let me tell you, Johnny. <laughs> I don't know. You think you see it all in this job, and then you have a day like this, yeah, you yeah. know? And he he really was doing things, whereas most of the other actors are generally just standing around when they're mm-hmm. talking. Talking. He really made a point to. Put his arm around Johnny Longbottom <laughs> to the point that it was very touching. I know, slightly uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable, particularly like seeing this gigantic white man like <laughs> bear hugging this small Native American man. It made me, it, you know. Plus, it, it he keeps jar- calling Johnny Longbottom up to crime scenes for no good reason. He's like, yeah. "Well, right. I just like to hang out with you. Could you yeah, come? Exactly. You're, you're an anthropologist. Uh, why did what what murdered this guy here?" And Johnny Longbottom's like, "Well, you know, I, I don't." Have anything to do with like murders or mm-hmm. like? Well, I know, but still, this is weird. Come, come, hang out with me, Johnny. Come, come so over I, here. I would say that the cop is really trying to have a character. <laughs> yeah, I think, but so too. He, he's not tailoring his reactions to anything realistic. Mm-hmm. No, he's kind of acting in a vacuum. Um, and, and and Kathy is trying. Yeah, um, yeah. Kathy's trying, but but she is not good at it. No, she's not. There's there's a point at which she she screams, and um. She screams about the lizard? No, she screams at the very end of the movie. She's in the uh, car. Yeah. Um, and, and it isn't movie screaming. Oh, it's okay. not it's neither it's neither amateur bad screaming nor uh, professional good screaming. It's it's like it's naive screaming. It's yeah. it's very realistic screaming mm. and it's jarring. Right, I think I know that moment, yeah. There are those moments, those unintentional moments of yes. just yeah, and I think the movie has yeah some some value for that. I mean, I want to get to this yeah. what you were talking about the value of failure in your oh, piece yeah. there, just like how yeah. you know even though this is not a good movie, right, right, right. it's still a record of people trying. It I is, mean, man. Is I, that what you were saying? I would love to. I you know I have like a zillion book ideas and I just only have time for like two of them, unfortunately. But um, I think it would be so cool to do a book like that kind of put this movie at its center and just describes a time and place. I mean, these terrible films, people making these awful movies in the 70s in the West, that's like a really specific confluence of different things, you know? And I, I, I think that would be such an interesting thing to read about more in depth, like just to describe a place. I mean, these people have connections like in every direction. You yeah. know, these exploitation directors, like... The, uh, the actors who all, like, are, are trying different things here and there. The locals that are just kind of brought in and, like, recruited to be to play some role, you know, but not in some neorealistic masterpiece. And, like, you know. What I think. So, okay, we can establish, like, maybe Bill Finger was not, like, in this movie for the art of it. No. You know, he no. was just kind this of tossing something yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe the director, you know, he was excited maybe because it was his first movie, but yeah. he probably didn't wasn't under the impression this was great art either. Yeah. But there were people in that movie that were excited. They did, yeah. That yeah. were like yeah. couldn't 
Yeah. Couldn't wait to see themselves. Probably told all their friends about yeah. it, you know, to yeah. come and I'm doing this um, movie. Yeah. I guess watch it on ABC or whatever, yeah. or at the drive-through yeah. or whatever when it aired. And that's that's always kind of interesting to me. You know, it's, yeah, it was yeah. an experience for them that sort of totally, yeah. recorded. Well, for all time. And now, like, with the guy who's the newscaster in the beginning scene where they're all sitting around the table at the, mm-hmm. on you know, at the Pueblo, um, that guy was, the, what, the mayor of Corrales, is that was right? The mayor of Corrales. What's his name? Yeah. I forgot. I had it somewhere. Gary... Yeah, Keenan. Keenan? Gary Keenan, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you're, yeah, Frank Larrabee. I mean, I think a lot of these people are still around, and we could, like, track them down maybe for... Yeah, for, maybe that's... But, but the value it, yeah. of it as a kind of a record of a lot well, of people trying things of a time and of just <laughs> doing something like people were like trying and failing I mean that's like a, is as much a part of the human experience as trying and succeeding Christ that's you all know? I do yeah exactly that's <laughs> like you know I think it's I think it's really kind of if you, it, there's a frame to put around it that makes it not horrible so know? did this movie uh, make money I don't think so man I doubt it I it, really doubt it it showed on yeah. Okay, so as far as I know, and it may have been in some some uh, drive-throughs or something yeah. as well. But from what I understand, it was it was shelved for four years mm-hmm. after it got uh-huh. made. It got made in 1972. It was shelved for four years, and then it was played on, I believe ABC. It was on uh, some network television late night special mm-hmm. kind of thing. But it wasn't really like it was not a money maker or anything like that. It was just kind of yeah, a time filler basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh man! So I think crazy. I think yeah. The hope was it was going to make some money, and I don't think it really did. Right. So. I think it's interesting that um, the woman that played Kathy Lee Drake disappeared for until 1985. Like she is did. She really? Yeah. Like well, she oh, disappeared. Um, but like or? I mean, on, on IMDb. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, in '85, like she tried again with Return of the Living Dead, where she played a police dispatcher. And then she was in Prime Risk, which was like an '80s teen movie about hackers who rob banks. Oh, and then okay. try to stop like an overthrow of the Fed. That was our Kathy. <laughs> yeah. Well, she wasn't the main character in that. She was a spy security officer in that. Uh, but I mean, like, I mean, the yeah. cop was in a lot of things actually. He was. Uh, oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Was yeah. Johnny Longbow in other movies? No, I couldn't find him. Nothing else. Yeah. He's easily the most charismatic actor yeah. in this. Yeah. Which he's is like not the only one much. I came away from thinking. I wonder what happened to him. Right. Like, he yeah. kind of was. I'd like to see a remake of this film. I think it's like it's not an inherently bad idea. I, I would not. <laughs> well, no, what, if, what if someone really good made it, remade it though? But there's there's they? there's structural problems and no, no. there's plot problems. I'm saying abandon all that stuff. Take the basic idea and the setting or something. You know, like then just watch Chronicle. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I got a question for you. Okay. Yeah. Favorite moment from the film. Regis. Um, it's <laughs> definitely the line read about onions. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. That is that's funny. Um, one of the writers from MST3K said that was one of their favorite scenes that they'd ever yeah. encountered. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mike, your favorite moment? I thought the the most affecting moment was there's a scene where Kathy says to Paul, Oh, Paul, like, we were so happy. Why did all this have to happen? And <laughs> I felt like for if you, 20 minutes before you got hit in the head with yeah, the and I felt, and I, and I, Yeah, I know. It's so funny. It doesn't fit at all. But if you take away that larger context, I feel like there's an actual like human moment there of yeah. like, like, God, we all do make plans and things just get derailed and they get sad. Like, I, And Paul's response you know. is kind of poignant, too. He says something effective. It just, just happened. Just yeah. very yeah. stoic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, My favorite moment? 
uh, when they go to the um, they go to the paleontology professor mm-hmm. with the with the cast of the track, mm-hmm. and they determine that suspect number one is a tyrannosaurus that's loose in the hills of Alton. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> like, wow. First of all, the track is about a foot and a half long, so yeah, it's yeah. like a pretty dinky tyrannosaurus. <laughs> like, even if we're accepting that, that's a possibility. But that to me was most emblematic of this movie. Yeah. Sort of. Uh, both its charm and its flaws. Like, yeah. It's sort of like, who gives a crap? I don't know, it's <laughs> yeah. a Tyrannosaurus. Uh, I guess what, what we're getting at is it's not a good movie. No, <laughs> like, it's bad in every direction. As but far as like, the, the, the build-up and everything, the climax. I wish it was, you know, I talk about it having some merit as a piece of document, like inadvertently documentary uh, footage, but man, I wish it was better as that, too, because it's, yeah. it's really not that good as a documentary. No, it's thing. not. It wasn't made as a documentary. Like, <laughs> I mean, but like from it, it doesn't go- have good establishing shots. It, like it just everything is so close, and the shots are so narrow. <laughs> you know, I just hate that. I just like I want to see Terrace Canyon in nineteen seventy two. That's right. great, but they just like it's like here's the motorcycle as it travels along the road. You don't get to see it really. It's not a movie that you watch in order to yeah. to enjoy the area, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Whereas I felt like watching one little B B roll clip from Grapes of Wrath, I was like, "Oh my God, Cedar Crest is so beautiful! I love seeing this before all those buildings." Well, that speaks to the quality of the filmmaker, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, so much yeah. better. I think. You know? it, I think it was a, 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 a director, either John John Ford or Howard Hawks, said that a good movie is one great scene and no bad scenes. Mm. And Ooh. I think about that quite a bit in movies. And this is a movie that has. No great scenes. No great scenes, no and good everything scenes. else is bad. Yeah. Everything yeah. else is bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is there anything really, like... Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty... I, it's I also pretty, want to point out that if you see that. the trailer, you'll see exactly the movie. There's no... Oh, really? There's, there's no... Hmm. I don't think I watched the trailer. Yeah, I've watched it once, but I can't remember. You will not go away from the movie with any curiosity. <laughs> That's you, funny. You watch it and you think, okay, there's a guy that gets it. by a yeah. moon, moon rock and uh, yeah. I guess we killed by another piece of moon yeah. rock. I think I've seen this eight times now. Eight times? Yeah. I've seen it I twice. Went, yeah, when I wrote the article, I watched it a ton. And um, and I watched the MST3K commentary yeah. on it, which is which makes it so much more tolerable. And really? It's pretty funny. I, mean, I, I but, found, I found, I, I, uh, maybe I'm just getting jaded on MST3K or oh, something. Yeah. I thought oh. it was one of their weaker ones. Oh, I thought it was really good. That's uh, some, some funny stuff, for sure. They always have some funny stuff. I love when they start in the totally dark observatory. They're like, are you sure you want to, this is how you want to start the movie? I think maybe it was because I just read that uh, Mike Nelson's like a, a big Republican. Did you oh, know is that? that true? Yeah, yeah he is. He, like, he listens to Dennis Prager all the time. Oh, that brings me down. But the Weekly Standard. I mean, you know, whatever. He's still funny, but... I was always on Team Joel anyway. So, yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the uh, the newscaster. Yeah, okay. So that was the mayor of uh, Corrales. Yeah, uh, Gary. Yeah. What do I got? Gary, Gary Cannon. 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 K a n i n. He got in trouble with the ACLU because he was uh, shutting down somebody who was reading a statement criticizing his mayorship. At wow. A meeting. Uh, he kept shutting him down, so the ACLU jumped on him, and then he backed off. And they said that the meeting after the ACLU jumped on him. Um, it was just filled with people criticizing his mayorship. Like it was just like the floodgates open. Uh, but he was also a member of the press club. 
Um, which is a, a I feel like I've seen his name. Is his name on one of those bricks out in the front walk? There? It probably is. He, and he went on to several. He was in Beer Fest, as a matter of fact. No. Gary who was he in Beer Fest? I have no know? idea. Just that he was in Beer Fest. Interesting. <laughs> so, I don't know who, but... Wikipedia um, says that Tim guns. Butler of the Psychedelic Furs is in this movie. What? I don't think that's right. That I don't sounds know. like nonsense. Yeah, it, I don't it, think the timing works out for that. Yeah, so. but it links to it. Says he plays Buddy or Bud Keeler, who I can't even think who that is in this film. Bud Keeler, yeah. Who's Bud Keeler? I think Tim Butler is a generic enough name. Yeah, that's my guess too, yeah. Uh, Frank Larrabee? Yeah. Um, He was obviously the musician. They said said, the band was playing at the Ramada Inn in the dining room of all places that the cast and crew stayed at in Albuquerque in July of 72. So that's why they. What are you reading? This is a statement from a guy called Ray St. Clair. He actually left it as a. uh, Left it as a um, a YouTube comment oh, yeah. on California yeah. Lady. Oh, there's some good ones on there. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm just assuming. Yeah. Why would anybody pretend? Why to would you be lie about that? The sound crazy. recordist from Track of the Moon Bees. Mm. So uh, anyway, he says he has an original quarter inch mono tape of California Lady. Wow. But he said uh, so they were playing at the Ramada Inn in the dining room. The cast and crew was staying in Albuquerque at the Ramada Inn, and we conned them into being the, in the movie. So that's interesting. All. Um, and then he, Larrabee was, uh, this is from Mental Floss. Larrabee was and remains a bit of a Renaissance man, a gifted athlete. He was an all con- he was all conference in basketball and baseball. Hmm. Attended the University of Albuquerque. Remember the University of Albuquerque? No, what is that? That was a university that was here. Until, really? Uh, probably like two thousand or so. Really? Um, on a uh, on a basketball scholarship, he was a talented singer songwriter. And a familiar face on the local music scene, which is why the Moon Beast producers called on him for the all-important concert footage. Larrabee eventually focused on business. He owns a construction company in New Mexico. And his love of horses. He and his wife raise Appaloosas. Appaloosas. (laughs) And he has previously served as president of the Appaloosa Horse Club. Nevertheless, even after he officially retired from the music business, he still dusted off his guitar now and then. From 1976 to 1990, he hosted a concert in the park on Father's Day in Corrales, New Mexico, to raise money for the local library. If you're ever in the neighborhood, you can visit the Frank Larrabee wing of the Corrales Public Library. It's just past the periodicals room. That's fantastic. And see, I, I think, like to I me, this, okay is, this me. is what we were talking about. Like, yeah. It's a record of, of yeah. people and, you yeah. know, how many... Do you, yeah. do you think Frank Larrabee has footage of himself singing? Right, this California is probably the only footage of him. Lady, yeah, probably yeah, not. That's probably what he looked like in yeah. 1972. He looked like this kind of straight-haired hippie guy yeah. singing a Jim Croce esque mm-hmm. song in the Ramada Inn, and, yeah. and that's kind of amazing. Yeah, I, I, I think is. that the comparison of value for this movie is 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 in the archaeological archaeological record of. Like potsherds or trash bins. Yeah, maybe. You know, things that are not valuable, but are indicative of indicative of a certain time. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I I found uh, petroglyph sites where like they're not the most artistically accomplished petroglyph yeah. carvers, and but I'm just like I don't care. These people live. It's a record. A it's a record of something ago. that was yeah. like important to them at yeah. the time, you know, yeah. for whatever reason. It was right important to Bill Finger because he was hoping to make some money. Out. Right. It was important to Frank Larrabee because right. it was the first time he was on camera, and maybe the only time he was on yeah. camera in a movie in his life, you know. If you look at there only really being one story, like just the story of being, you know, the story of existence, like 
then everything is a part of it, and things like this fit within it. And fit, fit within it. And I think that's interesting. I think, it like, it, all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, here's a little glimpse of what it was like to be human at a certain time. Like, that... You know, people made stuff like this. Every movie that you ever see, pre-CGI anyway, is kind of like a documentary of actors pretending to make a movie, or you know, like or like pretending to be other to be to be to be characters, right? You know, and this podcast yeah. is a documentary of yeah. people pretending to make a podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, no, it's it's like, like this is a very jarring realization. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the waterfront is like a documentary of Marlon Brando pretending to be a guy pretending to, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's. It's. I think that's so fascinating, and like, so I, I think there's there's merit in this, and also I'm not planning on watching it again. Yeah, I, I think you know? I, I think <laughs> I understand your point, yeah. but I'd also say yeah. that it's not worth an hour and a half. Oh, it's, no, it's, yeah. it, it yeah. totally is. And when we do a showing <laughs> later in the year, because I think we should, <laughs> yeah, you right. should come and watch it, uh, members of the listening public. Yeah, um, because yeah, I think we could we could do a fun thing with this. Oh, we could have fun. Yeah. It'll be fun, but it will not be because of the movie. <laughs> it won't yeah. be because of the movie. Yeah. And uh, you might leave early because of the movie. Don't leave early. <laughs> Don't leave early. We're gonna have uh, Marla's gonna sing California Lady. We're gonna have Frank Larrabee. We're gonna have Gary Kanan. Uh, We're gonna have uh, yeah. some. I don't know. We'll make it work. Yeah. We'll get Devin O'Leary and yeah. uh, other local yeah. celebrities. Hey, the, and the enjoyment you get from the movie will not be incidental. Yeah. <laughs> right. and look, if you're an actor or someone who helped make this movie and you uh, hear this podcast somehow because the internet and keywords and whatever, um, keywords. we like you. Don't we like just because we talk about this being a bad movie? Like it's we just, like you. It's a bad movie, <laughs> but but uh, you know whatever. All of us have done things that like didn't succeed 100. percent Right? I mean. <laughs> You know, like this succeeded, you know, zero percent. But get in touch with us, City on the Edge podcast at gmail dot com. You can Twitter us at at City on the Edge, which we actually need more followers. So please follow us on at City on the Edge. Join our Facebook page, Mm. uh, City on the Edge podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Find us on iTunes. Send us money in the mail. Okay. Just randomly? Uh, let's see. Um, I think we're wrapping up now, aren't we? Well, we need to say again to our next, That's right. next episode. To, <laughs> say that again. We need to say again to our was, next episode. I told you I was going to take you to task for this. What, you Mike says you seg. <laughs> seg is not the right pronunciation? I say segway. Seg. Segway. Uh, what do you think? I don't know. I, I, I what know what it think, means. Regis? It's segway. Segway? <laughs> But Brigitte can't be trusted because he says vagabond instead of vagabond. So I don't know, man. <laughs> All right. Well, we need to segue into. Uh, oh no, that's a different word. Now I'm upset because now I've changed your pronunciation of seg. Yeah. Let's seg into the next thing. Okay. Okay. So in uh, 1976, another film was released. Yeah, yeah. What was uh, it? Well, it was called uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth, starring a uh, a young, uh, a David, young one of the monkeys. I think. Yeah, David. Bowie, yeah, no, and, and um, and who recently died, you know, and it's, I, I personally found that very sad. Yes, uh, uh, as did the entirety of Facebook as well. Yeah, yeah, lots of the internet, and <laughs> yeah, and and um, but anyway, I uh, there was a news story going around about this woman who was from New Mexico, and she wrote David Bowie his first American fan letter. Yeah, and so I started doing a little bit of Facebook research and internet research, and I found her. Her name is Sandra Dodd. And she um, she doesn't have the original letter anymore. She sold it for like a lot of money at some point, apparently. But she does have copies of it, and she has this wonderful story of like 
becoming David Bowie's like male, you know, by male confidant at some point in the late sixties. Yeah, yeah. What's it like to? She's yeah. from Albuquerque. She's from, she's, New from Al- she's from New Mexico. I think she, yeah, like she's from either Española or Albuquerque, some, some somewhere. Close around enough here. that we yeah, yeah. include her. What it's, was it like to be the only American fan of David right. Bowie living in New Mexico? He wrote her this fantastic letter back, just yeah. saying like, "You're so supportive. Thank you so much." And, and uh, and so we we want to have her on as a guest next week and to talk about this letter and that we'll probably have her read the letter as as the recorded piece, okay, and uh, and some stuff that she's written. But but um, that should be fun, right? Yeah, it's fun. And we, we can talk about David Bowie and Albuquerque. There's a few things. You know, today driving on the freeway, there was a Bowie painting hanging from one of the walking bridges. Oh, really? Someone had just paid tribute to. It. But you know, he played in Albuquerque uh, in the in the I believe it was the 70s, oh. and. Uh, the Manifeld Earth was filmed around here, and then we have the Sandra Dodd connection. There's gonna be a lot of stuff to talk about. Okay, what's with, your with what, uh, let's let's what's your favorite David Bowie memory associated uh, with David Bowie somehow? Let's see, biking along in Alaska, listening to Sound and Vision on cassette cool. in the '90s. I don't know, Bridges? Yeah. I think Under Pressure is maybe one of my favorite oh, songs. Oh, I love that song. Okay. So Do you have like a specific like memory or time of life that it's attached to in your mind? You know, I, w- I was really into Bowie uh, as a teenager um, in my early 20s. Yeah. Um, which would have been late 90s, early 2000s. Nice. It would have been when I still lived here. Yeah. 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 Uh, mine is uh, 1994. Living in New York mm. as a, my first time away from my tiny little wow. Seabrook town, Seabrook, Texas town. Where in New York? Um, this was uh, well, where I lived was uh, the Upper West Side, but I had oh, gotten yeah. kicked out of my um, my apartment there, so I went down to uh, Alphabet City, like A Crazy. Avenue or whatever, and I was living with this Belgian guy and um, like oh sleeping gosh. on his floor. What? And uh, one one of the albums he had was um, Changes, which huh. I think is a compilation. Yeah. yeah. Of David, so I would just listen to that over and over Doing, again, yeah. um, and feel like a great angst about my life yeah. in general. So, oh man. Anyway, at least a positive sort of angst. It, yeah. Honestly, yeah. it was it was yeah. exactly what I needed. Really. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's great. Well, all right, let's wrap this up. All right. Um, let's say. Th- Thank you. First of all, thank you to Regis for joining yeah, us dude, this Yeah, great time. guest, man. Uh, we might be seeing more of him. Yeah, yeah thanks yeah. for having me. I hope yeah. to come back. <laughs> yeah, you're a good part absolutely. of this. Yeah. Um, we should point out that uh, our theme music, the uh, the beginning theme music anyway, mm. is Soltero. Usually, yeah. yeah. Uh, Weather Kings. Yeah, oh, yeah Weather King. Yeah. We're going to use yeah. that this time. Are we going to use that this time? I thought we were going to do California Lady. I think we should do California Lady on the way out. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Like right okay. now, it should be starting okay, basically. Right. So okay. we can all enjoy California okay. Lady. Okay, okay. We might use it as the intro. Okay. Um, anybody else we should say thank you to? Uh, like, us, like us and rate us. Yeah, find, find us, us on yeah. iTunes. Apparently, yeah, writing reviews on iTunes is a thing. I don't have any Apple stuff, so I don't know. It, uh, it worked last time I asked. We oh, got really? a bunch of reviews. Oh, that's, really? I need to read those. Cool. Right. Well, thanks you all. Uh, thanks for podcasting in. I love you all. Thanks for hanging out with us. Well collectively. Yeah. Every time I see a comment online from you guys, it's so nice. Yeah. All right. Good. That's the Singing songs to the sun that's rising, rhyming words I cannot touch. Oh, I've been wandering in circles with just a guitar in my hand. Playing one too many barrooms and drinking more than I can stand. California lady, won't you bring your love to me? California lady, she's the 
lot better off if we take you home. Like now. Johnny's right, Pop. You're going home. I'm hung out in Chicago with a California mind. <laughs> <laughs> 